Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> That's better than the button. Welcome back. Seal Ryan Podcast. I'm Chad Brock. And I'm Zach Bailiff. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. I got to remember to look there, not here. We're back. the The knock on the desk upset the upset the dog. Mm. So she she barked through the intro. It was all good though. It's all good. good. <laughs> oh man, new week, new podcast, uh, episode thirty four for the Orion. That's something. Yeah, keeps going higher than that for some reason. We are in Doc Talk world. The Orion Podcast Network's higher than that. We're up in the like fifties somewhere ah yes at yes. this point because we got that whole other podcast on the other other night but anyway we're back um yeah, it's hot we've got a lot of canadian smoke i mean yeah fishing yeah, it's fishing been a little hazy here but not too awful bad it's real hazy here today man like incredibly yeah so but uh yeah, so anything new out in uh PA with you guys? Mm, very little really. Um hey, we're lame this week, ain't we? Yeah, I've not done a whole lot really since last time we <laughs> talked. Uh primary do. primary draw results came out. We came up with a big goose egg there as far as Colorado went, so we put in for the secondary draw and fingers crossed we'll pull something out of there. If not, we're over the counter and flying by the seat of our pants. But that's all right. We've done it before. Yeah. It's never a bad thing though. I mean, at least, at least, you know, that you're still going regardless, you know? Oh yeah. I think that's the big thing. It's, you know, you'd like to go, you'd like to go to point A, but sometimes, you know, point B ain't bad. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice to be back in a unit where we've really spent a lot of time the last three to four years or so and, and kind of know what the movement patterns like through there and stuff and feel like we could get done quick, but We'll take what we can get. Do you feel like though that you could take some similarities from somewhere where maybe you've been before, add them into a different unit, different area, and kind of come up with a, you know, somewhat of a game plan out of the gate to to keep going? Mm, I mean, parts of it for sure. Um, but the the other unit we're looking at as far as over the counter is kind of a completely different animal. So it's. Right. Uh, get a lot more as far as drainages and bowls kind of check out but the the unit we're really hoping to get into that we spent a lot of time in the last couple of years it's just a 
it's a pretty big slope for the most part. You get a couple drainages down through there to, to work with, but we kind of, there's some private mixed in there that you got to kind of watch yourself and tiptoe around, but that's what on X is for. So we, we kind of know when the elk like to push over onto that, when they kind of come out of it. Right. Or there's a right. couple good bulls hiding out in there. So you just got to kind of get in front of them, and cut them off. Yeah. Tis the season. Tis it is. the hunting season. Yep. Yeah. We got to get, uh, we got to get the food, food plots and all that stuff ready too. You get, you ain't checked on them in a hot minute. So no, it's, it's you're going to miss it. You're going to miss a time too this week. Yeah. Next week. Whenever it's, that uh, it's been a month, about a month since we've been home. It's going to be about a month before we're home again. So next time we, we get there, we, you and I have definitely got a lot of work to do because I've got a pallet full of, stuff coming that we gotta get put out and i'm gonna have to around. get sick so. i'm gonna have to get sick from one job to go do the other job <laughs> it may a take us days. a day and a half to get it done it may it may we need to invest in a good weed eater no, I've something, got a good just, one. something just get down in there and just clear our path so you ain't using a machete well little little brother's got a about a four foot mini bush hog that goes on the front of his dingo we'll have to get him to bring that up he should just be doing that for us so we just walk right in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He should sure. like already have that done. I mean, it's not like he's doing anything. Yeah. No. <laughs> I've, I've heard he's a little busy, so I don't know. He we'll is see. a little busy. He's he's got the baby thing going on, some work and different and things. Pl- like plenty that. of plenty of work from what I hear. So that's a good, good. thing. That's a good thing. All it's good. It. Being in the landscaping business right now would definitely be tough as dry as it's been. Hopefully mm-hmm. we're supposed to like, of course, you know, you get four days off this coming weekend and it's like, Oh, yay. Rain. So that'll yeah. be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah. Got, a, got, a, got a project. I'm going fishing anyway. So <laughs> don't care. <laughs> All right, man. Well, so I think everybody's probably ready for this, for this special guest tonight's special guest. I'm going to let you do tonight's intro and uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, tonight we've got, speaking of, of deer season, uh, me and this, this buddy of mine met through deer hunting and I discovered him through a little video that First Light put together, I don't know, some years back now. We'll let him tell us all about that, but he's a husband, a father, a bow hunter, and uh, and the urban bowman, if you guys have found him on social, Taylor Chamberlain. Welcome to the podcast, buddy. Hey guys, how's it going? How Great, goes man. it? I'm uh, I'm fresh off the golf course, so you look like you're fresh <laughs> off the golf uh, course. It's not blatantly obvious, yeah. <laughs> Slack. Of, speaking of taking off work, hey man, that that's work. You know, you gotta <laughs> gotta get out there, gotta meet some some landowners, get permission. You know, gotta grease uh-huh. the skids. It's all about working angles, man. There you go. There yeah, you go. If if that's your setup, you're. You got the right idea, I think. That could, <laughs> especially if they don't hunt. Chances are, if they don't hunt, they likely could be into golf. So there are not many people here that do hunt. That's part of the problem, uh, uh-huh. which, is, which is where I come in as the solution. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, how I mean, speaking of getting permission and knowing how many deer you kill a year, I mean, round about how many properties have you got permission on, Ken, in suburbia oh, out there now? God. Um, I have no clue. My um, <laughs> my uh, my Onyx map uh, looks like it needs um, ointment. It's got so many dots all over it. Yeah. We, uh, it's I, just I, dots uh, everywhere. I actually use uh, 
I use Spartan Forge as an app and, and you can right. highlight the whole property boundary. And mm -hmm. it's really kind of cool to zoom out and see like all the properties that I have uh, access to. I probably have, I, I counted a couple years ago and I had around 1500 trees that were prepped ready mm -hmm. for me to climb uh, within a 15 minute drive of my house. So um, the problem for me is not, where to hunt it's picking which <laughs> property to go to right um, which you know people here and they're like oh wow that's like you're so lucky and it's like man you got to realize that uh, you know for anyone who doesn't know i live in the suburbs of washington dc and we have a major overabundance of deer uh the, the carrying capacity for deer here should be 10 to 12 deer per square mile and mm. deer are so overpopulated that they literally can't even quantify how overpopulated they are. When they do the uh, late night surveys, you know, where they fly around with the thermals, it just looks like you kick the anthill. And wow. their, best, their best guess is it's between 420 and 430 deer per square mile. But there's some pockets that exceed wow. 600. So um, it's not uncommon to, um, you know, to see 40, 50, 60 deer in a hunt that are just traveling around. They're like zombies just looking for food, especially late yeah. here when, uh, when there's no browse. But, it, you know, we're talking about property owners and it's quite the opposite than what most people are used to. I get property owners that will call me all the time and they're like, where are you? Get out here. They're deer in the yard. Like, come shoot them. And it's like, you know, just because you're seeing deer, uh, you know, Mrs. Smith doesn't mean that... <laughs> <laughs> that I can sit in a tree and just whack a bunch of them, right? Like you might, <laughs> right. for whatever reason. So four hundred yeah. deer a square mile. Yeah, it's insane. So my that we is... actually have a year-round deer season here, so you can hunt three hundred and sixty-five days a year uh, to help to help try and reduce the herd because they're doing everything they can to try and get them gone, or at least wow. cold back to a, a, a respective number. Right, my freezer's getting a little light. I need to come pay you a visit. Hey man, yeah, I had a um, it, it, I have a, a good buddy of mine that was over at my house, was visiting from out of town, and he opened my freezer and he almost fainted because um, the way that the the so I use a lot of the deer to feed the homeless, but what they do right. is they grind all the deer meat, and so my, my processor was like, "Look, dude, I'm not grinding backstrap. Like, I think there's yeah. a room in hell." reserved for people that grind backstrap. So he goes, I'll just grind the whole deer. I'll give you the, the tenderloins and the backstrap. I'm like, yeah, that's cool with me. So my freezer is literally full. Wow. And, backstrap. and uh, so my buddy opened it and looked at it and just about fell on the floor. Just yeah. blown away. That um, is red gold for sure. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, I have two little kids. My oldest daughter is, is five, just turned five. And she had never had beef until like you know six months ago at some birthday party some dad was like grilling burgers uh and not from some like weird organic only thing it's just like we eat what dad shoots so we got lots, right. lots of venison <laughs> lots of fish lots of turkey and you know birds and we're, we're pretty happy we're like uh yeah. the little urban redneck family <laughs> in, <laughs> in suburbia here no doubt so talking about that, like, what is your harvest quota that you can harvest per, 
month, year? I mean, it's unlimited. Yeah, it, um, there's no bag limit daily, weekly, monthly, or annually. So uh, you, you can only shoot three antler bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as antlerless deer go, it's unlimited. And uh, depending on the property, some properties will be enrolled in either um, like a DMAP program, and the state will give you tags to use um, to shoot them with. So you don't even need to buy your own tags on some of those properties. On other properties, you do need to use your own tags, but you can buy uh, six tags for $18. It used to be $11, but they just raised the price on us. Inflation's getting everything, even hunting licenses uh, <laughs> last year. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, like to be able to shoot six deer for 18 bucks is a pretty good deal. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I buy a lot of those tags. <laughs> Fortunately, yeah. they, they, uh, they expire. Those are, are good for 12 months from day to purchase. So I'm always like staggering out when I buy them and burning up the old ones. Uh, but they, they don't last too long. Uh, <laughs> in my, in my so that's good. I can imagine. Uh, it sounds like I need to start going with my wife on some of her work trips out there. Yes, you do. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> I got some backstrapping take home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's, you know, there's caveats to the whole urban hunting because, you know, it's archery only and mm-hmm. you've got to be paying attention to shot placement because you don't want that deer to expire on a property you don't have permission on. 100%. I mean, so look, there are a lot of really cool things about urban hunting. Um, there are a lot of things that aren't that cool, right? Like <laughs> on, on quarter acre properties, uh, you will have negative interactions with neighbors homeowners when you're asking permission like you're you're really um you're doing something that's pretty taboo in in the general mindset of the of this area right like right if you think about you know northern virginia um the, you know washington dc kind of proper like these are just to generalize like highly educated uh, people like very corporate people. They've not been exposed to hunting for the most part. Um, they're they have like very wrong preconceived notions of what a hunter is, um, and like most people are anti-hunting just because that's what they think they are, right? Mm-hmm. So you you really deal with a lot of uh, you know negative interactions. And what's really funny is like I've had you know, I've been doing this for geez uh, since two thousand eight. So 15 years, um, you get a lot of interactions with people where they're like, once they get to know you, they go like, oh man, you're, you're not what I thought you were going to be. Like, you're mm-hmm. not what I thought a hunter would be like. I love messing with those people. I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? I know what they're saying. They're saying like, <laughs> we thought you were going to be some bumpkin with like four teeth and overalls drinking butt heavy, like, you know, on <laughs> the foot, right? Like, that's what they, right. You know, it's what they know. Yeah. And, um, you know, and they're like, oh, you're like a normal dude I can have a beer with is what one guy told me. I'm like, oh, because I can like have a convert. Like I live down the street from you, dude. Like we're in the same community. It's not like I, I do know how to read and write too. Yeah, yeah. As long as they're pictures, you know, and it's written in crayon, we're good to go. Like, you know, like I'll drop a little choose your own adventure book in front of them and be like, oh sorry. <laughs> oh man. No, that's, that's awesome. So so when you're, I mean, how do you, what's the, 
I guess what's the what's the best way when you're out there? I mean, you're walking up to these people. How does the approach start to somebody that's maybe not familiar with um, the hunting lifestyle? Well, I mean, I think lately um, hunting has been portrayed very well in very positive light by, you know, having podcasts, people having intelligent conversations about it. Like um, Meat Eater has really spawned a whole new generation of hunter. I get contacted all the time by people in like, you know, inner city DC that are adult onset hunters that have never been exposed to hunting in their life. And they're like, Hey, I want to learn how to do this because, you know, a lot of them want free range organic protein in their freezer that they're not buying for $40 a pound at Whole Foods. Right. Right. So it's kind of cool to see hunting start all over again from, from less of a sport concept and model and more from a sustenance kind of concept and model. Um, which obviously, you know, I love to eat clearly, but I mean, I like hunting deer. I like shooting deer with a bow. So um, that to me is, is cool. But the way that conversation starts, I mean, you just walk up to the door and knock on it and, and just start talking to them, you know, ask them how they feel about the deer, talk about, you know, the numbers. And, and I find that the more knowledgeable I am about the deer problem that we have, you can't argue with facts. And a lot of the people that I talk to are arguing from a position of emotion and these like incorrect ideas that have been passed on to them for years. You know, like they saw Bambi back in mm-hmm. the you know eighties, seventies, whatever. They thought deer were pretty critters, and they have no clue that they are so overpopulated. And then on top of that, to be able to let them know, like, hey, look, I'm shooting these big old does. I'm making room for those young ones to come up, or I'm shooting you know, all the ones that I ethically can to help feed homeless people and balance the herd out. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not some bloodthirsty killer that's just out here trying to murder everything. Like there, I care a lot about the deer. There's a rhyme to the reason here as to what I'm trying to do. And once you talk to them and explain your position, tell them why you're doing what you're doing. It's very hard to argue with. Um, Uh That doesn't mean you always get a yes. So a lot of time you get a, you know, F you and the door slammed in your face and that's fine. You know, like I'm, I'm okay with rejection. I'll just go to the neighbor. Right. And be like, man, yeah. your neighbor sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, in this, in this space, um, what do, what does like conservation also do? Are they doing anything on their own to help the problem or is it they just, you know, trying to sell more tags and, and give so you guys free reign? Yeah, I mean, um, the local state government, so like Fairfax County specifically, um, Prince William County, like some of the counties in Northern Virginia have archery programs where they will open up the parks to hunters. Um, Uh You pass some qualification tests, whatever. Uh, Those are good to help thin the deer out, Uh, although now you, I think they're in like the sixth year of doing it. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate that I helped with the pilot program of that and helped kind of get it off the ground. When we started it, the deer were everywhere. It was very easy to kind of go in and coordinate with other hunters of the same skill level to not overpressure the deer, to blow them out of the parks and educate them and kind of be very targeted and selective, um, of, of, you know, efficiently killing them. Uh, 
now there there are a lot of people that have been hunting them for like six years and so the deer are really smart and so they um they're like highly pressured public land deer basically right um mm -hmm. so a little less efficiency in there but it's great to have the the opportunity and the options for guys to get in there and hunt the parks um give them a little acreage to roam on and it really helps with you know shooting deer and having a good footprint to go recover them in um you know, I have some spots that are only a half acre, a quarter acre, and, you know, the odds of a deer staying on that property when you shoot them is uh, slim to none, right? And so right. Uh, I have a very, very strict kind of shot process that I go through as well as, you know, shot placement is absolutely pivotal. Like if you – the difference between an inch and a half of, like, perfect double lung – snow plow for 30 yards and die versus a heart shot and a deer running 200 yards and dying is potentially the difference between paying to have a pool clean and get screamed out all morning versus, you know, get them in the truck and get out of there with no, no one the wiser. So it, mm -hmm. that's a big deal. If I have to have a, uh, another pool cleaned, I think my wife might divorce me. I might lose that. <laughs> uh, that, that happened one time and she was pissed. Uh, so. <laughs> That's a whole new perspective. You know, and you yeah. think about a deer running towards the creek and find it in the creek, and it's like, no, he's in Tom's pool. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, oh, the fence has a big deer size hole on the top of it, and there's blood everywhere. Like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that was not a, a, a cheap cleaning bill. No, it was about sure. 2500 bucks. When the pool guy showed up, he saw Ooh. what was going on pretty fast and was like, oh, yeah. This is. <laughs> Bent over the barrel holding his ankles. I'm gonna get my brother today. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're on the you're on the hook for this one, whether you like it or not. Yeah. So here's what we're gonna do. What's the limit on your credit card, sir? We'll just uh, we'll just keep adding stuff until it says rejected. I'd be learning how to clean pools. I think that'd be my that'd be my side hustle. Trust yeah, me. Maybe it's cheaper uh, just to invest in the equipment and just clean yeah, it with, with how pissed the uh, homeowner was. There was pretty much no amount of money that I wouldn't have paid to uh, <laughs> disengage with her as fast as possible. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, yeah. Well, speaking of hunter qualifications and making accurate shots, we'll back up just a little bit. But how did you get started in hunting in the outdoors? That's a great question, man. Um, so I did not grow up in a hunting family at all. I was never exposed to hunting. Um, being a, a so I was born and raised in Virginia, um, dove hunting in Virginia, very big social thing. And so mm. opening day of dove, I would go with my dad and grandfather. And um, I remember it being like the most special thing in the world. And I got to go fetch the birds. And then now looking back on it, I realized that we didn't have a bird dog and I was the bird dog. So, uh, <laughs> you know, perspective has changed a little bit, but uh, that was the only real hunting that I was ever exposed to. And when I went to college, uh, I went to college in the mountains of West Virginia and I, I, I loved being outdoors. I loved like camping and hiking my grandfather on my mom's side was a big deer hunter and he got into bow hunting in the late sixties, but he grew up in Georgia on a tobacco farm and started smoking at like two years old, basically. And mm. uh, so by the time that, that I was like 13, um, he, he was like in no shape to go out in the woods and hunt, you know, his lungs were all jacked from smoking. So um, 
he taught me how to shoot a bow. So I love shooting a recurve and I loved hiking, but I never put the two together. And I went to college and some of my buddies uh, on the golf team hunted. And I was like, man, I want to learn how to do that. And I don't know what it was, but a, a switch was flipped. And so I taught myself how to hunt and, um, you know, started gun hunting. And then I picked up a bow and just fell in love with, with the practice of shooting a bow and hunting and, and just being out in the woods. And so by my senior year in college, I actually got pretty good at hunting this like, you know, big woods, public land, but my family business is here in Northern Virginia. So when I came back home, I remember being like very bummed out that I did not have any hunting opportunities, you know, traditionally traditional hunting opportunities near me. Um, and so I started hunting this military base that was like, without traffic, it could only be 20 minutes from my house, but in traffic, it could take up to like two hours to get there. And it was a pain in the ass to like get on base and then go get the, the card of where you're going to hunt and go to where you're going to hunt. It took a bunch of time. And so I remember sitting in traffic, uh, waiting to go hunt the base one like October afternoon after I'd worked until like 3:58 and like ran to my car to try and go hunt for like a half hour. And, uh, there were these deer just pouring out of, of this lady's backyard. And I saw like, you know, eight deer, 10 deer. And I had this thought, like, why am I leaving deer to go find deer? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing a bunch of research and a guy that I knew had a friend that did some urban hunting. And so he put us together and we met and I kind of like confirmed what I, how I had read the law. Cause I didn't want to go shoot a deer and then like get arrested. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, once I confirmed that it was totally fine, my grandmother was playing bridge with a bunch of her friends like once a week and her friends had these bigger chunks of land kind of around where I lived. And so I begged and pleaded with her to get me permission on her friend's property, any of them. And she agreed. And so I got permission on this one lady's property. I went out, climbed a tree clipped in and within about five minutes these deer were everywhere and i ended up shooting four deer that hunt and was like hooked and I, I just was like screw this this is where the deer are like i can get into this and i did um and so i just kind of went head over heels into the urban thing and uh here we are 15 years later and and uh, northern virginia has many 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 fewer deer than they used to <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool that's, that's awesome that is that is very cool uh, you know like i just i can't get over 400 deer per square mile that is just that's mind-blowing to me because it's definitely not that way here um we've got a lot of deer and, and you think about like a doe i mean having 400 deer per square mile and each doe gets bred every year that becomes 800 deer a square mile just like that yeah. And I mean, so it's not uncommon for me to see chasing in February, sometimes even March, uh, because those yearlings will cycle in. Mm -hmm. and the, you know, the buck to doe ratio is just so whacked out that, um, you know, they're just deer everywhere. They're just running around like in heat and uh, waiting to be bred. And, you know, I guess if you're a young buck, it's pretty good. But, yeah. <laughs> you know. Good, good yeah, point. I mean, there's with the ratio, I'm sure as out of whack as it is, there's there's no way that the bucks can cover all the stoves in a single you know, season. Think. So it's, yeah, I mean, technically they're probably having 
pond year round out there. It's oh yeah. Wild. I mean, um, you know, this time of year when you're hunting, obviously you see a lot of you know uh, does with fawns or whatever, and it's not uncommon to see twins, triplets with pretty much all of them, right? Or or yeah. large family groups, and you just know that those deer are multiplying exponentially, right? Like they're just not enough hunters or cars around to to take care of them. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. I bet insurance premiums out there are like legit. Yeah, our uh, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I always ask homeowners that I have permission with. So uh, I do not have any homeowners that either they or someone that they know directly. So like one person removed from them haven't had a, a um, an accident with a deer. And knock on wood. I have not, so I, now I'm destined to have. <laughs> You're done now. <laughs> yeah, I'm screwed, but I think I shoot enough of them, so maybe it like balances out in the in the uh, great scheme of things. But uh, pretty much everyone has had, you know, Lyme's disease and mm-hmm. or hit one with a car. I mean, it's just you know they're carrying a lot of ticks. There are ticks everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, now we have CWD here, which has just been confirmed, but I'm sure it's been here for for some right. time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's they're just drastically overpopulated, and uh, we have to do everything we can to, to call them back. I mean, do yeah. you guys even have to mow? <clears throat> What's that? Do you even have to mow your yard? <laughs> yeah, the uh, <laughs> I wish we didn't because I lost a rangefinder that way, but. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, uh, dude, that is, it just, it's mind blowing to me. And it just seems like, you know, that with that many deer per square mile, that their food sources would be highly, would start to get eventually highly limited. Oh, um, yeah. You so, know, you think about the farmer that's got too many cows in a pasture and how quick the cows will burn up a pasture. I mean, I would think deer would be the same way to a point. Yeah. So this time of year, you know, obviously very green, everything's in bloom, whatever. You can walk into the woods, and if you get down to about four feet, you can see as far as topography will let you. Uh, Mm. There is zero vegetation under six feet and down uh, to the point where all, pretty much all low-lying ground-nesting species are pretty much extinct in our forest. Um, And one of the urban foresters I was talking to told me that they grade forest based on like age like a human and uh, our forest i forget the age but it's like pegged in the red like as bad as it can get other than totally dead right because mm-hmm. what happens is when the deer over browse all that all those little shoots can't grow up and so there are mm-hmm. no like younger saplings or younger trees to take the place of these big giant mature trees as mm-hmm. they fall over and so you're starting to see like the forest just die off and uh, what should be here is not here. And so you get a bunch of invasives that will sprout up. And it's just like really, really, really bad from an ecological standpoint. Um, it, it's crazy how like one little blip, one change in, in humans, right? Because we're the primary predator for a species like whitetail in this area, right? There are no bears. Right. Uh, coyotes will, will decimate the fawns, but once they get a little bigger... Like it's pretty much us. And if we don't have spears uh, to shoot them with or hit them with or whatever, like caveman style, then it's our cars. And so uh, outside of any of that, there's nothing to thin them back. And so you've seen over like 
60 years, this insane overpopulation of whitetail, which is now causing ripples throughout the rest of the ecosystem. And uh, it's really, really bad. So it's kind of funny. Like when I knock on a door and talk to someone, they hear that you're hunting and they instantly think you're some barbarian uh, Neanderthal. And then once you kind of have a little discussion about like, you know, the ecosystem and what you care about, they realize like, Oh my God, I'm kind of on the same page with this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and interesting way that he's going about it to, try and fix it i mean look like i care about the ecosystem but i care more about shooting deer right I, <laughs> I understand the argument to be made as to why it needs to happen and uh you know hopefully there are like a lot more people like me that will get out there and start culling these deer back because you know i like to shoot them but i can't shoot near as many as yeah as do. yeah i mean one hand washes the other in that scenario i mean if you know like keep overpopulating and decimate these forests. We're not going to have anything to eat, so they're not going to be around. But at that point, it's too late, right? (laughs) Well, and and you get some massive overpopulation to where Mother Nature rears up and and calls them back, which is, you know, what we're seeing with CWD. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we'll see what happens over the next, like, 15, 20 years. But, you know, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully our kids still have some deer to chase and in good abundant population sizes. And it's not like, you know, our grandparents where they were bragging about the time that Johnny saw a deer in 1957, you know, right. yeah, he saw one over there. It's like, yeah, dude, that's not where I want to be with hunting. No. Right. You know, and that's a testament to what, con- you know, conservation has done to this point. And, you know, if we don't, keep it in check and, and keep up with best practices and that sort of thing. It's, it's not going to be around for, like I said, future generations, but it's CWD is a scary thing. I mean, I, they still don't really know how they're going to combat it at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's like the perfect um, bad guy from some Stephen King novel. Right. I mean, like it's a protein, it's, it's a prion. It can't die. You can't kill it. Right. Uh, They're still digging it up in the original place that they found it after they've burned it you know excavated down into the ground flipped it around everything churned the dirt and it's like still traces of it there that if you put deer back in that pen or any animal in that enclosed area like any ungulate's gonna get it so right really really bad yeah that's a nasty nasty disease let's just hope it doesn't make the jump to humans man like you know That's an even scarier potential concept. Uh, although after the last couple of years, who knows what could happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's very hard to say. Yeah, give somebody enough money, they might figure out how it could happen. Yeah, shocker, you know, start cutting on bats and eating them. Bad things happen. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, there's that. So do they have like a time when they go back and they look at uh, records in history and they can like pinpoint, you know, kind of when this boom of overpopulation started for you guys or. Well, it really coincides with like overdevelopment and urban sprawl. Right. So mm-hmm. if you looked at our forest, we have like a pretty mediocre uh, mixed hardwood forest. And as those tracts of ground turned into cookie cutter neighborhoods with, lush fertilized landscaping and azaleas and you know all the stuff that deer like to eat we've basically put up a, a billion taco bells in mm-hmm. uh, in, in exchange for like one whole food so um 
you know, the deer pushed out all your hunters in the process. Yeah, exactly. So you've taken away hunter access, what, what people would traditionally hunt. You've replaced it with uh, much more nutrient dense habitat for deer to thrive in. Um, and you've really created the perfect storm for, uh, for an extreme overpopulation, which is evident here, right? Like I mean, driving into my neighborhood tonight, about 10 minutes before our call, there were eight deer in my neighbor's front yard, just munching away. Um, so I need that new little, uh, slingshot crossbow that I saw. at <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I watch. And, I mean, usually during the summer months, I, I watch 15 in my neighbor's yard across the road every year, and they stand right behind those no hunting, no trespassing signs that are posted out in the front yard. Yeah, I mean, deer know, um, they, know, they, they know where they get pressure. They know where they can have a sanctuary and be safe. Like, they're not dumb. They're smart in, in the sense that, um, you know, they're going to find the path of least resistance and, and the safest area to be, and it's amazing you know, especially in my area, how in tune they are with their tiny little little areas. But I mean, if you think about your house, like if you walk into your living room and somebody cut your lamp in half, you'd be like, something's not right here, right? So, <laughs> Wait a minute. That lamp wasn't like that when I was yeah, here earlier. Left oh, my wife must be pissed. I wonder what she found out about. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you when you have these tiny little little areas that they live in, like a little bubble that they have, um, it's very easy to for them to know when somebody's intruding into it. So mm-hmm. when you're hunting them, it, it, you really have to kind of push the envelope as far as you can without blowing through the middle of that little little sanctuary and kind of keep them in there. Right. And, you know, you can really see this not only, I mean, not just in your area, it, it's happening in other um urban areas as well. I see it in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, you know, I'll go down there and do a lot of work and there's not a morning that we don't go down there and see several, several deer, several big bucks. I mean, they're just, ain't nobody after them. They're just out there hanging out in the subdivision uh, and, and on the golf courses. And then uh, Bloomington, Indiana, just right up the road from where Zach and I grew up. I mean, yeah, there's nobody hunting those deer. And, and now all of a sudden one of the, the lakes that's near campus is, is put out, you know, where they're trying to have hunts every year because there's so many deer so overpopulated in that area. Um, and there's not usually, I mean, you drive through town in an evening and you will see deer in town. Yeah. I remember, I don't know, it's probably been almost 10 years ago now when they wanted somebody in Bloomington proposed that they start feeding the deer birth control. As a solution, as a solution to the problem, they did that. They did that here <laughs> in a um, in a small little area. So, um, in one of the one of the cities here, uh, there's a golf course. The golf course was the only place that was allowed to have a permit to bow hunt, um, and they had some weird stipulations. Like every five years, they had to go back in front of the local municipality board and get it approved. And it was like rubber stamped for 50 years or something like that. And then a couple of years ago, they went up for their new, their renewal, didn't think anything of it, had a super liberal school board or board, whatever uh, approved it. And they denied it. And they were like, what do you mean it's denied? We've been doing this for 50 years. Right. And they said, no, we're not going to allow hunting anymore. And then the, the board that authorized it was like, well, shit, like, what are we going to do now? Right. Like, how are we going to control the deer? 
Um, And so they decided that the best solution would be to take police officers that were off duty, have them ride around in a car, spotlight deer in people's yards, shoot them with tranquilizer guns, go recover the deer because the deer don't pass out just on the spot like they do in the movies, right? Right. trespassing onto people's property to get deer that they shot with a tranquilizer gun from a car in the the middle of the night. (laughs) Yeah. And then they recover these deer. They take them to the local government center where they had uh, a couple of, I guess, veterinarians on there to either spay or neuter the critter that they had (laughs) shot with a tranq gun. So think about the cost of this to the taxpayer, right? You have all these off duty police officers that are now working overtime getting paid time and a half. Oh yeah. Uh, you get the vets, which are probably getting paid way more than time and a half. You got the, you know, everything that goes along with it. So in total, uh, they spent $1,480 per deer. I think it was like 1472 or something. Uh, it, was only, it wasn't even a hundred percent effective. Uh, so I, had, I got a picture from a guy that, um, that hunts around that area and he had one of the deer that had the ear tags that had participated in this with three little fawns with her uh, a couple of years ago. And I was like, man, I was like, I'm spaying them or making them more fertile. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, and like, you know, it, it's more likely that that was like a, a family group and she was like watching the fawns, right? Because right. you rip their tubes out, it's hard to have a baby. But yeah, uh, yeah, whatever. It like just total horrible idea where you're going, like, okay here's this government that's spending the small city government spending a lot of money on them. I mean, even if it's like 150 grand, you know, let's say right. versus you could generate so much money. If you said, Hey yeah. guys, here's a $5 stamp that you could add to hunt the local city limits or whatever. What yeah. hunter wouldn't pay five bucks to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think a lot of, uh, a lot of towns are starting to realize, you know, across the nation that, hey, we got a problem with this. And whether we do it through a special draw hunt or just allow people to hunt or whatever it is, it's a better way to generate revenue for that, you know, jurisdiction or whatever it is. Uh, and instead of spending money to go spay and neuter deer that you're trespassing on the property of. Uh, so pretty crazy. Yeah, well, if there's imagine. one if there's one thing we know for sure, they love to spend money. Um, <laughs> there's a program over here, a little bit south of us now, uh, suburban whitetail management, and guys can pay to get into that program, and they're actually collecting homeowners and properties, and like divvying those up to guys. That way, they have a couple of suburban properties per year they can hunt on. And I think they have to donate like. I don't remember it's every other deer they they shoot on one of those properties or, or something of that nature and I think the processing fees covered and that stuff but it's uh it seems to be a pretty good program to help do exactly what you're doing just controlling suburban yep. populations. Yeah, and I I think that's the great part about what you're doing is you know you're you're not only you know helping helping the cause as far as working on the herd and conservation and things like that but you're helping other people and I think you know, that's a big time oversight in, in some people's um, minds where, you know, these, these folks don't have access to anything. So, you know, if you have an overabundance of, of whitetail, like you guys do out there or any other 
I mean, that's that's going to a good use. It's it's putting high protein in, in somebody's body that absolutely needs it. It's a it's a hand up in a lot of ways as well. Yeah, it's a win-win, right? You're taking this overabundant species, you're reducing it in a very like efficient, uh, effective way, and you're able to help feed the homeless with it. Like, how do you say no to that? I mean, I would still be in for the police ride with the golf carts and the tranquilizers and spotlights and stuff because that uh, that could be fun too. To yeah. be on that end of it to be the police officer. Let's see what I'm a huge <laughs> supporter of law enforcement. But a couple of years ago, they had the local SWAT team snipers uh, come out and do a shoot in the park. And um, the person that I knew at the um, at the county called me and asked me if I would help, you know, field dress the deer and put them in the cooler. I said, sure, of course. Like, I'm happy to help. Uh, I came home and my wife said, how was it? And I said, if I'm ever in a hostage situation where the SWAT team is there, don't let them try to shoot the sniper. They were, they were, taking, uh, they were taking headshots on these deer and, uh, man, it was not good. They, they were missing the mark bad. <laughs> the hit-miss ratio was not good. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. Not good. Attract a lot of deer through the woods that night that, that did not have their lower jaw and uh, we're still. Oh wild. my. Yeah, it was bad. So yeah, we're and there, <laughs> there again, like a, a, a worse ending and a worse situation for yeah, yeah, and, and a know. much and again, like charge fifty bucks to hunt that place, right? Like you know, you can, um, you can absolve yourself of liability and solve the problem and generate revenue. A much better thing. Yeah, I mean, it's only going to help, you know, <laughs> the local community when you're generating that much revenue. And, yeah. You know, and you're getting food. However you, know? you need to. Yeah. 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 You're solving, you know, several problems with, with one issue. But uh, so I, when I first discovered you or heard about you, obviously, was the first light film, which was, what year was that? 27, 18? 2018, uh, yeah, I think it was like 17. 18, somewhere know. in there. Ah, somewhere in there. What did, what did that change for you as far as... Because I know that... I mean, that, it was a short film, but it did well. Yeah, so um, I just looked it up. It four years ago. So I guess it was 2019. Okay. We filmed 19. it in 20, 2018. Um, wow, I think it has 400,000 views now. It's pretty crazy. So, um, yeah, I mean... Prior to that, I did a ton of like product testing, um, pretty analytical guy. And I remember one time, like very early on, uh, somebody from one of the companies I was helping do R&D stuff with said like, dude, you realize that you hunt more in a year than the average weekend warrior will hunt in their lifetime? And I was like, oh, I never thought about it like that. You know, yeah. I mean, that's a lot. So I, I, I'll, I'll hunt anywhere from like 150 to 200 days a year. Um, right. And, you know, that, that definitely adds up. So, um, yeah, the first life film was great. I mean, that was really kind of an eye opening thing where we realized like, okay, I probably should be filming some of these hunts and the crazy stuff that happens and not only mm -hmm. helping, you know, teach people what to do, how to do it, show them this, this way of hunting. Um, but also, you know, kind of a fun way to, to showcase your hunts and, you know, show people that there's more to hunting than just having 
a pristine 800 acres like Lee and Tiffany and growing <laughs> huge deer. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so you can hunt close to the house and have people's Wi-Fi and do all your work from the tree and uh, you know, have them bring a little bit, a little baggie of bacon up to you in the morning when they yeah. work is pretty sweet. <laughs> I got to hear there's the story with the baggie of bacon. I know there is. Yeah. I, well, it's that. <laughs> yeah, I, had a, uh, I had a little old lady that would bring me breakfast uh, in the morning when I was sitting in the tree. She'd walk out with it. and It was like a little baggie of bacon and a little thing of hard boiled eggs and a little thing of toast. And I would just lower my rope, pick it up. And <laughs> bring it stuff in the tree. That's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. Things that most of us would be scent conscious about. These deer are all used to it, so it doesn't oh, yeah. matter at that point. They don't care, man. I mean, well, it's funny. Like we were talking about that bubble, right? If you're like smack in mm -hmm. the middle of the woods uh, and they <laughs> smell you and they don't see you, they're going to freak out. But right. uh, if you're on the edge, they, they don't care. The, yeah. uh, the other thing that's kind of funny is like humans, we don't have to look up, right? Like we're not mm -hmm. afraid of, of death coming from a tree unless, <laughs> you know. You spent some time in Vietnam, but otherwise you're pretty complacent with trees, right? Right. It's unbelievable how many people will trespass onto a property while you're sitting there, have no clue that you're there, and just do dumb or silly or crazy stuff. Um, it, it's uh, it's very funny to what what people will do when they don't think somebody's watching. Well, uh, I mean, you know, we're going to ask now. Well, yeah. So, I, I mean, outside, of, like, there, there was, um, there was one morning that, uh, so a lot of the spots that I hunt are like floodplains or areas that are undevelopable, right? Because otherwise, there'd be a house there. It's very mm -hmm. expensive areas. So, you get a lot of like creek bottoms, floodplains, uh, and you'll get these like connected pieces of timber. And so if you look at it from an aerial map, it almost lays out like a highway of where the deer are going to go because they're going to prefer to stay in those little uh, valleys or whatever where there's vegetation than be exposed. So coincidentally, a lot of those places are where high school kids like to go drink on Friday nights and Saturday nights, right? Mm -hmm. So there's one morning... It's like late October, early November, uh, high school football season, which is important for this story. Um, <laughs> I'm like jacked to go in this spot. I got a good deer in there. And so I go in at like 4.30 in the morning. I climb up in, in my saddle and I, I sleep in my saddle. So I'll get into my spot like an hour early and I'll like get my hands up in the ropes and I'll just go to bed and I'll set mm -hmm. the alarm on my watch to vibrate really hard, like back to back to back to wake me up because I'm that sound asleep. So nothing's different about this morning. Go in. I see nothing there. And my, my alarm's going off. So I wake up. I'm kind of looking around. And I hear this like really weird noise. And it's maybe 10 minutes before first light. And it's like this odd kind of like wheezing noise of like, and like growling. And I'm like, what in the hell is that? I'm kind of looking around to see what it is. I'm like, maybe it's a raccoon or like some, something weird. And sure enough, as soon as the sun comes up, I see like frat boy Chad with his letter jacket on, butt naked, <laughs> snoring in the leaves, right? And there are about 40 bush light cans uh, scattered around. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, like, this dude ruined my hunt. You know, my wife's pissed that I 
the fuck out the whatever it is. And so while I'm sitting there just totally like you know whining to myself, all butthurt, uh, I see movement out of the corner of my eye, and I'm like, great, what's this now? And I kind of whip my head around, <laughs> and there are like eight does in a line, and Mama Doe has stopped and she's stomping at frat boy Chad, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. And this deer is maybe like 15 yards away because she's walking in, like doing that stomp and walk while she's right. looking at this kid. And so I grabbed my bow real quick and I absolutely zapped her. And instead of her turning and running back the way she came, she ran directly at Rapid <laughs> Chad and like buzzed the tower. He pops up all <laughs> no clue what's going on. And uh, she like kind of ran up the hill, stopped and fell dead and kind of tumbled back down. And, uh, it was just hilarious to see that he got woken up, you know, by this deer getting shot and probably would. I mean, I probably would have shot that deer if she hadn't have been, if he hadn't have been there, but not like that at all. <laughs> uh, really, really kind of pretty cool. And the other story that comes to mind, um, I was hunting in prime rut, like, um, you know, November 6th and it's maybe three o'clock in the afternoon. It's about to get good. It's maybe an hour before uh, golden hour. And I hear crunch, 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 crunch. I'm like, Oh yeah, here we go. Right. Like real heavy footsteps. And I look up and here come two dudes in tie dye shirts, like dancing through the woods, just <laughs> absolutely tripping their brains out, right? Oh man! And I'm like, what are these knuckleheads doing? I mean, they look like fresh out of a fish concert, right? Like long hair, <laughs> and just, oh, man. And um, so they got to about I don't know five yards from the base of my tree, and I was like, hey! And the one dude goes like this. <laughs> Like he's in a football position, like a breakdown. The other dude grabbed his head like there's artillery fire and he hit the ground. And I'm like, you know, and I was like, hey, like get the f out of here, man! Like you're trespassing, right? And I don't know what it was, but they ran in completely opposite, <laughs> screaming like like the trees were talking to them. I never saw him again. And the one guy. Like the only way he could have gotten out was if he came back past me. I don't know where the guy went. We never saw either of them again, but completely split like buckshot. They probably had the worst trip ever. They're like, oh man. Oh man. <laughs> the trees are alive. Yeah. It was so it was far out, man. That's yeah, probably man. legitimately what they thought, too. Yeah, yeah. They probably had no clue that there was a 240-pound squirrel with sharp sticks and like 40 feet above his head. <laughs> oh man. Oh shoot. That is great. Awesome. So you got anything big coming up? I mean, what's uh what's on the docket for uh for the rest of the year besides a little urban deer hunting? Well, tonight uh I have a couple diapers that I'm gonna change, so I'm really excited about that. Hopefully um <laughs> I'm hoping that's over for me here soon. Hopefully it's not a fully loaded baked potato in there. So <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so I, I just got back from Texas. I was hunting Axis deer. That was a blast. Oh wow! And then it's on my list. Oh, dude, it was awesome. Uh, the Axis are like this weird uh, whitetail elk hybrid where they're like they're roaring and they got a herd like a harem of chicks. But and they're all cracked like, out. Yeah, they act whitetaily. It's really yeah. really cool. Um, 
as far as other like hunts this season go, um, do elk in Colorado this year in September. So pretty jacked about that. We we need to correlate dates and see when you're going to be there. Yes, uh, and then um, I have uh, late October. I'm going to go up to uh, Illinois uh, for a little whitetail action, and then I drew Kansas this year. So I'm going to spend a lot of time uh, bouncing back and forth to Kansas. Uh, for as many days as I can without having my stuff go outside in the driveway and, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, really try to be pretty selective on shooting a good one. So, um, yeah, it'll be good. Cool. Yeah, that'll be awesome. You'll have to call Evan, too, about Kansas. Oh, yeah, I'm planning on knocking on his front door around, like, November 15th. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. You said I can hey, stay, man. right? You really well, talking the- about this, right? <laughs> They, they don't live here no more. Yeah, they never know I'm here, man. <laughs> oh, um, shoot. So as we close out the show here, I know you got stuff to do, and we're about at that hour mark. Um, why don't you tell the people where to find you on social media, where to get more, um, and, you know, all that fun stuff. Thank the people that you need to thank. Yeah, well, thank you guys for uh, enduring me. I appreciate that. Oh, it was a great conversation. <laughs> yeah, you can find all the stuff that I put out on uh, on Instagram under Urban Bowman and uh, Hunt Urban on YouTube. So check it out. And uh, are you still doing your podcast? Uh, it, it has taken a little bit of a sabbatical. My co-host uh, is working through some personal stuff. He is not incarcerated though, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds similar to this show. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have some new episodes hopefully soon. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> but okay. yeah, if you check out the Hanging Hunt podcast, there's a, it's basically a therapy session for 90 to, to 120 minutes of uh, Billy and I going back and forth on whatever <laughs> topics pop into our little pea brains. That is a scary thought. Yeah, it is. There's a lot to bounce around in there. You just never know. <laughs> <laughs> that our intro tonight was probably our lamest intro is like we both looked at each other and went there's nothing up there tonight yeah <laughs> complete blank blank it's like you hey, hit the live button and it was just like uh yeah, <laughs> podcast? yeah. we're doing a podcast oh we're live uh tis the season yeah. well thanks for hanging out tonight man yeah hey thank you guys for having me on i really appreciate it yeah, no, man, we, we appreciate the story, man. I mean, that was a lot of good knowledge, and I hope somebody out there can take something from that knowledge and and learn and pass it on, and maybe maybe grow from it. I mean, yeah. might have opened somebody's eyes tonight. You just never know. Never know. Don't leave deer to find deer, man. They're in the backyards. Stay there and whack them. <laughs> there you go. Find a, find a way to get it done. Yeah. Absolutely. With uh, with that being said, we'd like to thank Jackson Kayak, jacksonkayak.com. Uh, pick you up a Jackson Kayak. Um, find one of our dealers, local dealers um, with the dealer search there. Um, obviously, Orion Coolers, uh, the proud uh, ownership of this podcast. Uh, thank them. And, you know, we've got 5% off Orion Rocks. Um, yeah. Jacksonkayak.com. Get you an Orion Cooler. Basco Fishing for Always awesome swag, Zipro lithium batteries, and Cast King. We appreciate the heck out of all of them, and we appreciate the folks out there putting up with us, listening, uh, whether you listen on Spotify or to the live cast. Um, and if you didn't get to listen to the live cast, check out all the rest of the episodes on Spotify. They're always good. Yeah. So we'll see you back 
A new episode coming at you on the 11th of July. So, yep, bi-weekly. We'll be back on the 11th. We've already got a guest lined up for the 11th, Zach. You just don't know about oh, it Oh, we're ahead of schedule. I'm ahead of schedule for once. Woohoo! So, I get a 10, a freaking 10. Yeah. All right, guys. We will catch you on the next one. Thanks for watching. Peace. Bye-bye. Yeah.